Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zernio, is in an automobile motoring somewhere between San Antonio and Amarillo, and through the uh, modern technology, we're able to bring her up as if she's sitting right here in the studio. Carol is a nationally known gerontologist, graduate of not only Trinity University, where she majored in French, but the University of the Incarnate Word, uh, where she earned a master's degree in social gerontology. She has written long and often about topics involving aging and ways in which we can make it better for one and all. Also serves as executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And uh, got to give three cheers for technology, Carol. Welcome and delighted you're with us. Well, you know, it's a beautiful day out here in the hinterlands of Texas, and it is pretty amazing that I'm also in the studio with you. It is. It's as if you're sitting right next to me. And uh, the topic we're going to take up in just a minute uh, with Pamela Wilson is one that, man, you have had a lot of personal experience with, and that's working as a caregiver, both hands-on, up-close, and long-distance, talking about family and involvement and self-care. What a challenging thing to do. And have a full-time job at the same time. Well, it is. You know, we just had the another meeting of the Ray's Family Caregiver Council, which is the, the council that is working with the federal government to implement the Ray's Act, which is recognize, assist, inform, support, and train caregivers. And that topic of working and being a caregiver and remote caregiving, right on target. As you talk about uh, those who are caregivers, uh, we throw the figure out often uh, that a caregiver often will give up three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars in earnings over a lifetime because they can't work. That's right. If you want to leave three hundred and roughly thirteen thousand dollars on the table, um, just sign up for caregiving. And yet, there's no compensation for caregiving. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I can. Oh, you're a little hangdog when you say that. Is there a possibility? Well, I mean, that's that's what that's what you know. We uh, on the race council. That's one of the things we're discussing, right? right. Um, because caregivers and Pamela's going to talk about this. You know, are the backbone of long term care in this country. Well, let's bring Pamela in. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is with us, and joining us on our caregiver SOS on our hotline is. Pamela Wilson, caregiving expert and advocate, speaks before groups and has been involved in caregiving for a number of years, earned her a variety of degrees involved in not only uh, counseling, but uh, a variety of issues in national caregiving. And Pamela, we're delighted to have you on board. Uh, Tell us, first of all, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. What got Pamela Wilson involved in caregiving? Uh, Short story, long story. 17 years old, had a social work scholarship, didn't take it, and lost my oldest sister in a car accident when I was 17. Oh, wow. My parents both passed away, and my brother passed away, and those three deaths happened within a period of five years. And so I looked back at my life, and I thought, why didn't I do that caregiving thing? I was I was working in corporate America and marketing. And so I left over 20 years ago, and I have been working with caregivers ever since, and I can't imagine doing anything else. 
And, and as you think about the kind of work that you've been doing, um, caregivers very often feel as if they're the Lone Ranger. There are literally millions of caregivers, uh, but each one thinks they're the only one. Well, they do, and it's because, as you were talking before, we go into what is the reward, and the reward really is love. There's no financial payment or any of that. So many of these caregivers who do this that are in my groups that we talk about this all the time, but they do it out of love, and they really are the primary caregiver. Many of them don't ask for help. Half of them don't even recognize themselves as being a caregiver. They're just helping mom or dad. And so that's kind of where the loneliness comes in because they don't realize there's help out there. They don't realize there's caregiving support. Carol? Well, you know, you just mentioned the L. Yeah, you just mentioned the L word, Pamela, loneliness. Mm-hmm. So talk a little yes. bit about that experience. Uh, what's nor- the normal loneliness caregivers face, and then what might be happening right now during COVID nineteen. It is so much worse right now. The caregivers in my group, and they post every day and we chat back and forth, many of them are so isolated because they are doing remote work. So let's say there's a couple of scenarios. One is they live at home, they have their children, and their elderly parents are living with them. Those caregivers are more stressed because they're trying to work so that they can get paid, and they're being pulled by their children, and they're being pulled by their elderly parents. I've even had caregivers who were offered a full-time job, and they had to say no at this point in time because of COVID and because they have an elderly parent living with them. So, so as you said, they're giving up income, they're giving up part of their family life, and then the stress and the loneliness is incredible. Many of them are so depressed because of, as we were talking before, we'd love to hear some good news on the news. The news is is not good, and this could last for a long time, and many of them are feeling hopeless and helpless that it's not going to get any better. In fact, that's the sad thing about caregiving. If you look at the numbers who have died as a result of COVID-19, the coronavirus, overwhelmingly people who are 65 and over make up 80% or more of the nearly 100,000 Americans who have died in just the last couple of months. It's frightening if you're a caregiver and or if you are older and a caregiver. Well, and that's true. The chronic disease, so statistics, and you probably know them, but the the people who have chronic disease are more susceptible to the coronavirus. So we not only have our elderly parents, but we as the caregivers who suffer from emotional and physical health declines, the caregivers are more likely to have chronic illness. So we have caregivers who are at risk of the coronavirus caring for elderly parents who are at risk of the coronavirus. And they're worried about their children coming in from the outside, bringing it into the household. Take just a moment, and I want to ask you about the radio show that you do. But first, for those who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is with us. And Pamela Wilson, caregiving support expert, is on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline as well. And she, too, does a radio show. Tell us a little bit about it. So the radio show is called The Caring Generation, and I've been doing it live now for about a year, but originally it started back in 2009. I had a local radio station in Denver call me who had workers 
working caregivers in their population that had issues and they wanted to get the word out. So it's kind of like this is my second go around. And we talk about all of the caregiving issues. So the subjects for my show come from my caregivers in my groups. And Ron, you're an attorney. So I talk about power of attorney and guardianship and making all types of difficult care decisions for your parents. And then recently, like we're talking about today, how is the coronavirus affecting their caregiving situation and what do we do about it? And how does one hear your show? The show airs on Wednesday nights. It's on the BBM Global Network Live, so it's an internet radio show. But the podcasts are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com. They can go on the media tab. They're also on Apple, Google, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, all the major podcast sites. The show replays are there. Well, cool. We've got podcasts, too. You show us yours, we'll show you ours. Absolutely. (laughs) And for those who want to hear our podcast, Caregiver SOS on air, just Google Caregiver SOS on air podcast and they will pop up. Now, Pamela, tell us just a a little bit as I took a look at some of the uh, self-care tips and issues uh, that uh, caregivers bring to you. Uh, Certainly the the current situation with the coronavirus is is overwhelming concern. But, But beyond that, what are some of the more typical questions that caregivers are asking you about? Well, today they are concerned, and this does relate to the coronavirus, but let's say that an elderly parent is living with them or living at home independently, and they need more care and more care and more care. And the caregiver doesn't have enough time to do it. Even if they have paid caregivers, there's not enough time. So today there's a concern about, I want to put my parent in an assisted living community, but that community is telling me that they may be on lockdown for periods of months. I'm afraid that if I put my parent there, I won't be able to see him and I won't be able to oversee their care. And that is a huge concern of caregivers. So it's putting more stress back into the caregiving family saying, what if we have to delay this for a year? How are we going to manage all of this? And so those are things that we're talking about where they're having to, before siblings would not get involved. As we talked before, you know, the primary caregiver is usually the one that does it all. They're now having to reach out to siblings to say, we have an issue we need to place mom and dad. We can't. You all have to pitch in now, which I think is a positive thing. I have seen some of the photos of families looking through big plate glass windows uh, at what was formerly their in-house or uh, neighborly care recipient who now uh, all they can do is wave at through a window, not really fulfilling that need. No, it's very sad. The isolation is traumatic. And I will tell you, though, that a lot of the people working in the communities, the CNAs, God bless them, they're overworked, but they will go over and above to connect people by phone, to help with FaceTime conversations. You know, when I was a a guardian, I would always make sure that if loved ones were out of town and I was responsible for a person, I would make that phone call. I would make that connection. I would set up Skype chats. So there's ways to do it, but you need to contact people inside of those communities to make that contact. And the same thing, if your parent lives 2,000 miles away, we have to learn other ways to initiate visits besides in person. I wrote an article about a neighbor of mine who uh, has a long, long time relationship with his wife going back literally decades, ultimately diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's, now uh, in a residential unit. They locked it down, and God love Jimmy, he went to war. He said, wait a minute, I read the memo that said the only people you're admitting are those who are important and directly involved in the care of the individual. That's me. I'm there every day. I feed her lunch and dinner. No one else is doing that. 
And if you, the unsaid was, I'm going to go to court. They've let him come in, so he's an exception. But not everybody's willing to stand up uh, to people who run those uh, communities. You know, they're not, and they are afraid. So a lot of caregivers are afraid, even if they speak up about something simple. So, for example, I showed up today, mom's, the pens were wet. They're afraid to speak up because they're afraid of retribution from the communities. And it shouldn't have to be that way. There are ombudsmen in all of these communities that represent the families. They are a government paid for by the government or their volunteers. So family members really have to speak up for issues that they see in communities if they're not comfortable going to that executive director. And as you say, many of those caregivers, without them, their loved ones wouldn't eat, they wouldn't bathe, they wouldn't be changed. When I was a guardian, I would go in and I could get my clients to do things that the staff couldn't. I would train the staff. These family members are invaluable and they should be let into these communities. Hold that thought. We'll come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. Well, and I think Pamela... Go ahead, Carol. When you when we come back, let's, okay. let's follow up on that. Okay, uh, I was going to directly and in, in with the staff. Knock one little spot out real quick. We will come back. That's Carol Zerniel, our co-host here on Caregiver SOS on air. Pamela Wilson, a caregiving expert, who is with us on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Thank you so much for riding along with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Speaking of riding along, that's exactly what our co-host Carol Zerniel is doing. Carol is on her way to far west Texas and connected through our magic of technology here as our co-host directly through the board. You wouldn't know she is where she is if it wasn't for that really very pleasant hum behind, which is the tires spinning away on I-10 West. And Carol, you were about to talk with Pamela about those care recipients and caregivers who do so much work in residential communities? Well, you know, what Pamela said, you know, my mother was also in a residential care facility. And what Pamela said, and and I hope that caregivers take this very seriously, is there's a lack of training in many facilities. And she talked about training the staff. And we as family members and caregivers, you know, that's a great idea. If the staff isn't working with your relative, your loved one, the way that you think would be best, you can help retrain them or train them uh, to interact uh, more agreeably, uh, to let them know that food needs to be cut up in smaller pieces, to let them know they don't eat or drink that, you know, they don't like it, and that's why they're not touching it. So there's a lot of things that we can do, but it does take an investment in time. And if you can't get into a facility, you know, that's what makes right now so difficult. Well, and I will say, Carol, that 
family members can schedule, and I, I call them care conferences, but they're really meetings. You can, as a family member, initiate what I call a care conference with the executive director and the dining and the activity staff and other staff members to talk about care for your parent. And, and to our point, both of our points, we know more about our loved ones and our clients and anybody else. We're the ones that really have to share this information with the staff about, you know, my mom is not going to eat oatmeal. You know, she will not bathe at 7 o'clock in the morning, but if you try at 7 o'clock in the night, she's there with you. We have to do that as family members because we know more. And it's the same with doctors, too. Family members are very intimidated when it comes to talking with the medical care staff. And they should not feel intimidated. I've had doctors change medications and had horrible effects on my clients when if they would have called me like they should have, I could have said, that's going to cause a problem. Family members have to step up and be the experts. Carol, that's a good point. How do you train? Well, and... and no, go ahead. I was going to ask, how do you well, train when facilities? You, train, you, you were saying it was a good point. Yeah. I know. You can, you can tell that we can't see each other. We're totally stepping on each other. <laughs> um, but, you know, a, a great example of, of training staff is... Uh, my mother actually got kicked out of a facility because she kept going into other rooms regularly, every night, going into all the rooms. At her new facility, we trained the staff to let them know my mother was an RN. She was the night supervisor at the hospital. She was checking on everybody to make sure they were in their beds and they were asleep and they were fine before she went to bed. That's something that the staff couldn't know about her. But we were able to, at the new facility, let them know that's what she was doing. And if they would give her a nursing duty, um, then she would stop going into the rooms, whether it was, you know, filling cups of water or folding towels. And that really seemed to work. That's a beautiful story. Well, and Carol, you just put a smile on my face because I had a client who was a teacher. She was an English teacher and similar story. She had dementia. She was in a care community. And she would, when the staff would speak, she would correct them proper English, but they didn't realize she was a teacher, so they thought she was criticizing her. And so they were, you know, she would be coming and they'd be running the other way because it's like, oh, here comes Mrs. Smith and she's going to yell at us when she was trying to help them speak properly. Interesting. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. A little, a little bit of correction from the people with dementia, you know, it's never too late <laughs> to learn something. And Pamela, as you take a look at some of the other issues that come up uh, in, in terms of what's going on with caregiving, in residential facilities, uh, how do you, uh, as you're involved in, in these activities, meet the financial demands? Because these places, unless you were smart enough 50 years ago to get insurance, are very expensive. They are very expensive. So I always talk to family members about planning ahead. So when I would first get involved with a family, I would have hot discussions about everything. So how much money is there? How long will it last? Do we have to look at Medicaid? And some people don't even know the benefits out there. So for veterans of World War II of Korea, there is aid and attendance that can help pay for care communities. Some people would have the foresight of long-term care insurance, which I had some clients that did, and it was amazing. It helped pay for care. Medicaid helps pay for care, but you have to talk to these communities a year or two before the money runs out. So it's it's these long-term care planning discussions that family members, again, don't know to have. This is where we as the professionals want to be able to educate families to help them avoid the stress of thinking, oh, my gosh, we're out of money. What do we do? And I'll tell you, multi-generational homes are being built. I don't know if they're in Texas, but they're building larger family homes now for 
several generations of the family so that when people don't have money to put loved ones in care communities, they stay in that house with everybody else and the family cares for them. The way it used to be. So is that like a yes, caregiving exactly. like a caregiving <laughs> suite? Wow. I don't think we do. I haven't seen those um, in Texas. Not that I've shopped new houses lately, <laughs> but um, it, it's a great old idea that's new again. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and speaking of ideas and challenges, Pamela, before we run out of time, I, I want to talk about the challenge that you, as a working outside the caregiving environment caregiver, faced, and that is challenges in the workplace. Employers who didn't understand, well, look, Pamela's 20 minutes late again. Ah, once again, she got to take someone to the doctor. She's got to take another day off. A lot of disappointment on the part of employers, and life is tough for the employee. How do you fix that? Well, it is. And this is where I really advocate for women because the split still is 60-40 women, men. But So the workplace has programs for what I call family care. Women who have children go out of the workplace. They have paternity leave, maternity leave, all of that. They have nothing yet for elder care. And to me, that is a disservice because 30% of those working caregivers are in the workplace. And they have to be recognized, and they shouldn't feel like they are going to be discriminated against because they have to take time off or go care for an elderly parent. But yet, that's how they feel. There's there's studies out there from John Hancock, Harvard Business, Merrill Lynch that talks about this. We have to get employers to pay attention. And if you approach your employer beforehand and say, look, here's what's coming up. I just wanted you to be aware. I'm going to get my work done. I may end up doing a lot of work. Over the weekend, or I may come in early, I may come in late, but uh, this responsibility is going to take me out uh, on occasions. If you lay that out in advance, is that helpful? Or in the state of Texas, for example, where uh, this is no right-to-work state, they can say, well, gee, Pamela, I'll tell you what, we're going to help you out here. We're going to give you all the time you need. You're fired. Well, Ron, this is interesting. You're an attorney, so you will appreciate this. In my opinion, it's better to be upfront with the employer because, you know, when I, when I had employees, I was like, no surprises. Tell me everything so we can work it out together. But that was my attitude. There are now family responsibility discrimination lawsuits being set by these caregivers. If the workplace says, oh, sorry, you can't do that. You can't take time off to care for your elderly parent. So, and and it should be that way. These caregivers deserve the opportunity to make up the time and to do what's necessary so that they can keep their job and care for elderly parents. Carol, what do you well, think? I think that one of one of what you know the things we're advocating for is to align ourselves with that family care notion, but it's intergenerational. So it doesn't matter if you're caring for an older parent, an adult child with disabilities, a younger child that's sick. Um, it's all the same. It's all the same, and we need some sort of protection um, and and extra care, pay for caring for those folks. If we can't do it ourselves, then we need somebody else to help us, or we need pay to do it ourselves. Yes. And to your point earlier, you had mentioned $300,000. That's mostly income lost for women who take time out to care for children, elderly parents, and then their sick spouses. And again, there should be some consideration for that in the workplace. We agree. Anything, we've got about two minutes left. Anything we haven't asked you uh, that you would like to touch on, Pamela? You know, I just really want to stress to caregivers to ask for help. Don't feel like you cannot ask for help. Don't feel like you're going to be discriminated in the workplace. Caregivers have to speak up. We have to increase the amount of caregiving awareness and conversation so that we can change the system that is not working today. 
And give us your website again. It's Pamela D. Like dog, Wilson.com. There's a lot of helpful information, my radio show, caregiving courses, my blog, all free for caregivers. And it's all available there on the Internet. Yes. One last question. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? You know, it would be hard to imagine, but I think I would be gardening or working at a botanic garden somewhere because I love the outdoors and I love plants, and it's a good stress release for caregivers. Carol, anything you want to toss in? No, I, you know, I'm, I'm just picturing, you know, the, the great outdoors and some gardening. All of us need an occupation where we get to breathe, or I should say a hobby where we get to breathe um, and enjoy some fresh air. And so I hope the caregivers will take that to heart as well and, and go outside and, and maybe get some fresh air here in the next week. Some people I know feed uh, feral cats as a way of stress relief for themselves. Well, there are those crazy cat people. you got to watch out for them. <laughs> I, won't, I won't identify who that is. So, Pamela, thank you. It's a delight to talk with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Ron and Carol. Thank you so much. You take care. Appreciate the work you're doing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Pamela Wilson, a caregiving expert, and if you want to get a hold of her, she gave you the uh, various ways in which you can do that. Plus, you can tune into that radio show as well, the Caring Generation radio program. And if you Google that, it will pop up. So, Carol Zernil, as we talk, uh, you're motoring out toward Amarillo. Any snow on the ground yet? Oh, absolutely no snow. I can tell you it is um, turning into summer everywhere. Well, you drive safely, and we'll pick you up on the next time uh, we do this show, which will be like in about 10 minutes. We'll get you back on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Carol Zernil, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. We thank you for joining us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.